Peter Hakem of the Inter-American Dialogue joins us on Latin Pulse. Usually you're here as a commentary, but today an interview. We want to talk about this uh, soap opera that's been running all summer, the the Snowden Affair. Edward Snowden, the, the National Security Agency leaker. Is this going to turn up uh, in Latin America? I think that's the big question. Um, he, he has temporary asylum now in Russia. What are your thoughts? Well, if it's a soap opera, it's certainly gone into a something of a lull that uh, 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 I'm sure we haven't seen the last of this yet. Uh, there's good reasons why the U.S. has been so upset about uh, not getting him back, uh, presumably because he does uh, have or control uh, a lot of information that the U.S. Uh, doesn't want any more exposure of. But uh, it's interesting. Uh, the Latin American countries say they really haven't been in touch with Snowden. They haven't heard from Snowden, uh, requesting formally the diplomatic uh, 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 immunity, the the amnesty, the uh, asylum. Uh, and uh, he's now somewhere in Russia, presumably closely watched by Russian security. Uh, uh, it's not clear to me. Uh, I think the Latin Americans may at this point uh, be just as happy to step away from it. Well, it seems like he has a, a limited time in Russia. He has a year uh, to figure out what, what will happen. And I guess the Putin government also has a year. But the question is, three governments stepped up, Venezuela, Bolivia, and Nicaragua, all offered asylum at one point or another during this um, this saga, and, and at one point even Ecuador flirted with that. Uh, why, in your opinion, did these governments want to take him in? Well, uh, let me say first, uh, Nicaragua's offer was so hedged that it was hardly an offer. I really think there were two countries, uh, uh, Venezuela and Bolivia. Uh, and I think neither of them, and probably not Nicaragua, even with its hedged offer, uh, would have done it if uh, the plane bringing uh, Evo Morales, the president of Bolivia, back from the Soviet Union for a meeting uh, uh, had not been grounded. Uh, it was grounded because it was not given air clearance to travel through the, the airspace of uh of, of several countries of Europe, and it had to come down to uh, refuel. Uh, and people was, thought Snowden was on the plane. Well, people thought Snowden was on the plane, and uh, this was, of course, considered a, a deep insult to the president of Bolivia to see his plane uh, uh, brought down like that. And uh, the fact is that it's uh, hard for anyone to identify a previous incident that uh, a president's plane that was clearly a president's plane uh, was uh, grounded in a similar fashion. Most uh, see the hand of the U.S. behind this. Uh, European countries, uh, which uh, which denied the airspace, have all apologized now uh, to the Bolivians. Um, but I think without that incident, without that insult, without that... Uh, sort of acted, uh, the Latin Americans might have stayed a little further distant from this. And when 
the uh, Bolivian plane was grounded. Everybody in Latin America, all the Latin America, showed enormous solidarity. Uh, and the Bolivians themselves, of course, uh, were the most injured. But the Venezuelans, I think, couldn't avoid the temptation, couldn't resist the temptation uh, to take this opportunity to poke another finger in, in uh, the USI. Uh, uh, this was just uh, too much of an opportunity to let pass by. And uh, their president is still struggling to uh, uh, establish his authority in Venezuela. He'd like to have a broader voice in Latin America. And again, uh, when one can uh, uh, challenge the United States in this way, it sort of gives greater credibility in, in some circles. And so this is why um, this was a, a, a matter of establishing credibility um, in Latin America? Well, I think that, uh, I mean, one has to go beyond the pro. I think this was an opportunity the president of Venezuela saw to establish his credentials as an anti-U.S. leader, as a leader who wasn't going to let the U.S. get away with anything, who was going to defend uh, his Latin American partners, his Latin American allies. And uh, I say the temptation was just too great uh, uh, and and he grabbed it, despite the fact that Venezuela had, uh, in fact, initiated an effort to uh, try and uh, reduce tensions with the United States not uh, two weeks before, uh, when they asked for a meeting with uh, with uh, between their foreign minister and uh, uh, John Kerry, uh, which they got, and things did look like they might. Uh, go on to a smoother path, but of course this sort of interrupted and, and, and uh, made that uh, possibility more remote. So is this rapprochement that we saw at the Organization of American States meetings in Guatemala with Secretary of State Kerry, is that dead now? Well, dead is always a, a, a strong word. Uh, no, I don't think it's dead. I think it's been badly uh, injured. I think it's more difficult now. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, it's, I think, in the interests of both the United States and of Venezuela uh, to move forward on this. Venezuela initiated it. The U.S. responded uh, uh, with some degree of uh, interest and, and even enthusiasm and uh, uh, it's gone nowhere so far, but uh, I think that uh, either both sides show a degree of pragmatism. We might still be able to make some progress. We have in recent weeks seen the Colombians and the Venezuelans meet and have a bit of their own detente. So does that show that maybe there is some light to that pragmatism? Well, uh, like I say, you know, this is was the style of Hugo Chavez to uh, go to the edge and then pull back to sort of uh, launch a challenge and then uh, sort of uh, apologize. And uh, I think Maduro may have learned something from that. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, his own situation in Venezuela is becoming, uh, well, is difficult. Uh, it might actually, he may have stabilized things a bit now. But the uh, politics and even worse, the economic situation 
uh, is going to make his government, uh, uh, it's going to weaken his government. Can you give us some more specifics on these challenges that confront Venezuela's President Nicolas Maduro? Well, uh, first of all, uh, uh, Nicolas Maduro, unlike his predecessor Chavez, has to worry about holding the uh, Chavista coalition together. I don't know, it's 35, 40 percent of the country is firmly behind, uh, was firmly behind Hugo Chavez, and he could collect uh, additional votes in elections. Uh, with Maduro, uh, he has less control. There are other leaders that could challenge him. He has less uh, authority over the military, less authority over different factions of Chavismo. He just doesn't have the oratorical abilities of Chavez. He doesn't have his leadership skills. He just is, is, uh, needs to build his alliances and all and continually sort of make arrangements, make deals within Chavismo. Second politics is that, uh, and this relates very much to the economy, which I'll get to in a second, that uh, there's a group that's neither pro-Chavez or anti-Chavez, but are sort of on the fence a bit. And uh, uh, for that group, uh, the course of the economy, the uh, performance of the economy will be uh, central, will be the critical deciding factor, and things don't look very well there, which I'll get into. And third, the opposition is uh, has shown that it's competitive, came within one percentage point. Uh, not only does uh, Maduro have to hold on to the middle, he has to worry about a growing and more unified opposition as uh, we approach subsequent elections. And whether the opposition can throw him off stride enough so that he has difficulty in maintaining his core support. So the politics is just very difficult. Maduro, compared to Chavez, is clumsy, awkward, unprofessional, and not a very uh, elegant speaker. And Uh, briefly, the economics. The economics is uh, Venezuela depends totally on its oil. 96% 96% or so of its exports come from oil. Uh, right now, oil is selling at a high price, but uh, Venezuela has borrowed a lot of money. It's deeply indebted to a number of countries. Uh, right now, inflation is pushing uh, close to 40%, uh, probably the highest in the world or among the one or two highest in the world. And uh, beyond that, there are all kinds of shortages in Venezuela. Uh, The black market value of the dollar is about one-sixth of the uh, official value of the dollar. Uh, In short, uh, Venezuela is really confronting a very severe currency crisis now. Uh, Whether it's food or toilet paper or other necessities can't be bought in Venezuela. And there's only the oil, and oil production has dropped. Oil exports have dropped even further. How to sustain uh, the economy, and if he's unable to sustain the economy, it's going to be hard for him to uh, really serve out his term. Let me bring this back to the Snowden affair and diplomacy. We've talked a lot about the anti-U.S. rhetoric that 
came out through this. Why did Venezuela turn to this? I know that this is not new with Maduro, but why did Venezuela and, and many of these countries in Latin America really turn to the U.S. Um, anti-U.S. rhetoric when this came up? Well, because uh, from, I mean, each country has a slightly different reason, but there is now uh, a group of countries in Latin America. It was largely mobilized by Hugo Chavez, uh, not a large number, but uh, we could number them at five or six, uh, largely countries who have had uh, difficult political situations, difficult economic situation. Uh, recent run-ins with the United States, and uh, uh, Chavez managed to bring them together in uh, what he called the ALBA Alliance, the Solidarity Alliance, of, uh, and uh, uh, they have uh, sustained this, and uh, uh, they have been consistently anti-American. Although at the same time, uh, several of them, Nicaragua is one, Ecuador is another, recognizing the importance of the economic link to the United States, uh, uh, recognize the importance of U.S. investment and U.S. trade. And Venezuela itself is totally dependent uh, at present on its exports to the United States. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, they... The leaders feel they gain political strength, they gain a certain level of authority and legitimacy in their own countries, and more widely among uh, what might be called the, the left in Latin America by taking this anti-U.S. stand. Anti-U.S. stands are certainly by no means vote uh, uh, losers in, in Latin America. Uh, uh, countries from Mexico uh, to Brazil to Chile, among our closest allies, occasionally uh, become uh, get their backs up uh, when you see the offensive nature of the U.S. debate on migration. Uh, when uh, we go back in history, even a short period, and uh, the Nicaraguans were the subject of a guerrilla war. Uh, basically launched and funded by the United States. Uh, and so, and the story goes on and on. Uh, uh, the U.S. Ambassador Bolivia uh, basically uh, warned the Bolivians not to uh, vote for Evo Morales. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of the uh, worst abuses are largely ended now. The U.S. is no longer intervening militarily in Latin America, which it did rather frequently in the past. Uh, one doesn't see the U.S. Uh, uh, sort of supporting U.S. Uh, companies and corporations without regard to local uh, uh, sensitivities. Uh, uh, like I say, and certainly the U.S. is no longer in the business of supporting coup d'etats or, or guerrilla forces in the region. The worst is over, surely. Uh, but there are memories, and there continues to be uh, slights and offenses, uh, and the grounding of the uh, of the Bolivian, the plane of the Bolivian president coming from from Russia, uh, was a was an example of that. Uh, everyone, uh, virtually. Uh, Everyone in Latin America sees the hand of the United States behind that.
So the residue of U.S. imperialism still remains in the area. I'm glad you, you brought up Ecuador. And Ecuador continues to, to give refuge to Julian Assange of WikiLeaks and in their London embassy. At one point, Ecuador was in the forefront of, of wanting to give Edward Snowden um, some place to stay. And uh, we know that Vice President Joe Biden got on the phone and and then the president, Rafael Correa, changed his mind after that phone call. It Was it um, U.S. economic pressure that made that change, do you think? Uh, well, let me say that first, uh, uh, Rafael Correa is uh, not always uh, consistent and... Uh, but I do think he was very eager, he has been eager to uh, restore uh, some of the economic uh, benefits of uh, uh, general tariff preferences that the U.S. had extended to Ecuador. Uh, He himself then renounced those uh, preferences. Why? Because he said he didn't want them to interfere with his decision about uh, asylum for Snowden. And uh, on the whole, that was a very uh, good, clever, tactical move by him because he wasn't going to get the preferences given the opposition within Congress. I think Ecuador, among the various countries, wants to establish better relations with the U.S. And at the same time, uh, Rafael Correa is uh, has suggested entertained, certainly, and uh, uh, at times uh, conveyed the, his, his own uh, ambitions to somehow lead this uh, group of anti-U.S. countries in Latin America that really the uh, Maduro, the president of Venezuela, is really not up to the task. Uh, he's, no, uh, he's not going to take over uh, as the as a Latin American leader from Hugo Chavez, uh, Rafael Correa is probably the most dynamic of the group. Uh, so I mean, there's uh, this split. Uh, he wants uh, the uh, benefits of a good economic relationship, a good political relationship. A good political relationship has economic consequences for most countries. Countries with sour uh, relations with the U.S. find themselves paying higher prices to borrow money on international markets, find them more difficult to find lenders, etc. Uh, so, you know, I think somebody like Correa, who uh, earned a Ph.D. at a U.S. university, uh, uh, also bears a grudge. His father was... Uh, arrested in the United States for drug transport, uh, kept in jail for some time. Uh, It's not always clear, but he's certainly motivated by a pragmatic bent on the economic side, coupled with a desire for some kind of leadership role in Latin America, coupled with his own inner uh, demons about the United States. Anything else you'd like to add on this topic? Um. no, except that we may be seeing the uh, a diminished role of Latin America now. The uh, Evo Morales uh, uh, airplane incident is past. Uh, the uh, European countries have apologized. Uh, it just may not weigh very heavily, and uh, Snowden is 
uh, disappeared from the newspapers. The Soviet, the uh, Russians are certainly going to keep them under strict control. Uh, a year is still a long time to wait. Uh, I don't think we'll know very much for, for a while now. Uh, Snowden is uh, you know, out of the airport, no reporters around him. Probably the Soviet, the Russian security won't allow those reporters around them anymore. Uh, there may be other uh, alternatives for them. There may be some deal that'll be worked out with the U.S. But I think that Latin America may may end up being his uh, the place he turns. But it also may uh, sort of uh, sort of uh, exit from this the soap opera. Thank you, Peter Hakem. Our guest today on Latin Pulse, 